sincerely hope that you will listen carefully, with attention, and receive what God has for you in this message today. It is to a great extent a testimony of how God has dealt with me in this matter of proving him to be true to his word and faithful to all he has said he will do. I'm going to tell you some things this morning of of ways God has dealt with me in order to bring to your specific attention, I hope, ways that God is dealing with you so that you will understand and recognize it and participate in what God is doing in your life and what God really wants to do in your life. So, I'm going to uh, I'm going to give you one verse of scripture, and then I'm going to launch into this message. By the way, going forward, I think it would be a great thing if you don't bring your Bible to church to start bringing it. I know that a lot of times I don't give you an opportunity to find a place to read in the scripture, but you can always find it once I've announced it and said it. And even if you don't want to do it, even if there's a Bible in the back of the, the back of the pew where you usually sit, might not be there next time. Start bringing your Bible with you. I know, I know I've had people tell me the iPad isn't the same thing as a Bible. <laughs> this, this iPad's got about 150 Bibles in it, complete Bibles in it. There's a lot of Bible in here, but I recognize that. So I have this other Bible up here that I read from for many, many years just like this. And so if you don't have a really good Bible, these Bibles are out there on the table that you can get one. I'm not selling Bibles. I'm just telling you they're there at a really wonderful price. But if you do have, this is because it's easy to carry, you see. You, you need one besides the big old book that you have to use two arms to carry. So you need one like this to carry with you. And start bringing it. Because in the future, we're going to start, at the opening of the message, we're going to start lifting up our Bibles. Declaring our faith in God and our trust in His Word. And you don't want to be sitting there with no Bible. Have to hold up your phone. <laughs> so, start bringing it if you will, please. Now, let me start my message. I've called this message this morning, God is not a trickster. He has no tricks to play on you. No deceptions to lay out in front of you. No misguiding, no misleading. God, <clears throat> God is direct. And his words to us are clear. His message to us is plain. And God does not confuse us in any way. I got something in the mail yesterday. It actually was addressed to Carolyn. I don't know if they think she's more susceptible or what they just got. I don't know. But this, this little thing right here said for me to scrape off the circle that covered the prize winner. And I scraped it off. It was hard. I almost had to tear the paper up to do it. I think they might have done that intentionally. But nevertheless, I got it scraped off. And when I looked at it, it gave me the choice of five different things that I would win. I could win a, a drone bundle. I could win a, a, a boardwalk a, a surfing board. A $500 Amazon gift card. Might have been interested in that. A 2017 Nissan 370Z or $30,000 in cash, or a 
to $1,000 in lottery tickets. I could win one of those. And guess which one I won? I scraped it off. I won the 2017 370Z Nissan. $30,000. Now, it tells me I'm a winner. But, 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 before I go down there and expect to drive off with that car or bring my $30,000 check, I thought I'd better read it really, really carefully. And so I saw hidden in the print, it says scratch off the circle below and match the activation code. Now it says that you're going to win. It's all the whole things about you're going to win one of these prizes. And it says if you match one of these things, you are a winner. And you'd be a winner if they gave you lottery tickets or if they gave you a, a surfboard. They can still say you're a winner. But I didn't win that. I won the car or the $30,000 in cash. But I don't think that I'd better make any plans to spend that money till I go down there and find out. There's some little code on here that's got to match up, it tells me. And I'm going to be almost for certain. I'm not negative. I'm not an unbeliever. This is not what I've got my faith in. But I, I want to be positive, but I seriously doubt when they get that activation code that mine's going to match up. Now, it may, and if it does, I'll come back next Sunday, and I will apologize to the, well, they don't say who they are, the Nissan dealership in St. Augustine, I guess that's what And I will apologize publicly to them and show you my car out front. But don't come to church because of that. Don't come expecting that. There's a lot of deception going on. That's what I'm telling you. A lot of deception. You don't have to go to your mailbox. You can watch it on TV. Has anybody in here ever won a prize, any prize of any kind, $5 or $500,000? Have you ever won a prize from Publishers Clearinghouse? Anybody? Anybody ever won anything? You did win something, Randy. What did you win? Five dollars. It wasn't five thousand dollars. You got five thousand dollars from him? Wow! First person I ever met. All the times I've asked and talked about this, nobody's ever won anything. Randy won five thousand. <laughs> well, they do give away something. But they told me that they would make me a millionaire. They promised me $5,000 a week for the rest of my life. And after I died, they're going to give it to all the rest of my people, posterity after me. I didn't put my retirement plans based on that. But I'm telling you that there, that there are a lot of things that will come to you that will make you think something's true that isn't true. There's a lot of deception out there. But I am going to tell you one. He will never mislead you. He'll never direct you the wrong way. He'll never give you the wrong word. He'll never confuse you. He will always strive to bring to you the message of your heart, meet the need of your heart and the message he gives you. And we know who that is. There's one who's always true to his word, who doesn't conceal anything behind details. He just simply says, this is what it is. And you know that when he says it, you can believe it, you can trust it, you can depend on it, and it will never fail. There's sometimes, you know, sometimes there are, there are
revelations about the things that God will do. And frankly, I've had enough of it. I've had enough of people telling me that God answers prayer in many ways. Sometimes he says yes, but many times he says no. And many times he says wait. I believe God's a yes God. And I will tell you this. If he does have to say no to you, and he may, because he did that to the Apostle Paul about the thorn in his flesh. But he made a provision for it when he did. My grace is sufficient for you in all things. But God is not going to confuse you. He will make it clear. You don't have to sit around and wonder what his answer is because God will let you know what his answer is to what the cry of your heart is. He will make it clear to you. I, I even sign people taking some scriptures sometimes that just trying to make sure that we don't expect too much from God. They want to convolute them. You take, you take a verse, and I won't go to, into much of this, but I'll just use this one verse as an example. Psalm 37, verse 4, I believe it is, says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's a powerful verse, isn't it? It's a verse with conditions, just like I told you about all the promises of God. First, you have to delight yourself in the Lord, and then he will give you the desires of your heart. But the downward play on the expectation is some people say, well, he may not mean that he'll give you the desires of your heart. He may mean that he will put the desires in your heart that he wants you to have. Could go that way. But I don't want that to lower my expectations of what God will do because I read in the other versions of the scripture that it says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires and petitions of your heart. So let's don't let that lower our expectations of what God will do. That's my point to you. We want to live up to what God said he will do, and he declared if we will practice, prove me, obedience and faith, he will pour out upon us blessings greater than we're able to contain, beyond our capacity to hold, exceeding everything that we will be able to name or enumerate. His blessings are so great, so overwhelming, so powerful, that there's no end to them. The favor of God is without conclusion when we follow him, trust him, and believe his word. And that's what we have to do. That's what we have to do. Now, I've told you numbers of times various parts of how God started to deal with me now eight and a, eight and a half, eight, eight and a half years ago. And I started to pray and seek God when I was retired and, and just, I, I, I will tell you honestly, I was getting close to being miserable with my life. I wasn't doing anything for God. And I began to seek the Lord. And God really put it on my heart that if I would seek Him, He would show me. Well, I knew that. I'd preached it for years, all my life. I knew that. If I would start seeking God, God would respond. And so that's what I did. I started to seek Him. I started to surrender to Him. I started to give myself up in a new way, in every way I knew to surrender to Him. I started to seek God, and God began to deal with me. He began to speak to my heart in various ways. He, he lifted me up and encouraged me and gave me a... He actually, when it all, all came to a conclusion, and it isn't concluded yet, it's still going on, He just gave me a new lease on life. I told you how, how God spoke to me about coming. And, and now, let me just say this for interlude, 
interject this. Uh, some of the things I say are kind of you, you, you've heard me say before. But remember, there are many people in this congregation who've never heard me say any of these things. And even if you have heard it before, take it as something that God's speaking to your heart today. Because I believe God has a message for you, just like he has had a message for me. And I want to share this with you this morning to encourage you to hear from God, to believe God, and act on the promises of God, because that is what proved me faith is. So God began to really deal with me, and, and, and there were times that God spoke to me. And I've, I've told you how the Lord told me two different times that he was changing my life. I looked back and I saw all of this in, in the records that I keep. I saw where all of this is recorded that I put down in a little, little journal. And I've transferred it now to my Kindle app on my, on my iPad so that I can just go over and carry it all around with me all the time and start reading it again. So, so in, uh, in 2010, God started dealing with me in a very strong, powerful way as I prayed. It, it didn't happen until I started to pray. I started to pray in the morning and pray at night and fast along the way as I could. And I sought God daily, put myself before him daily, and really, really cried out to God in a way as strong as I've ever done before in my life. And God started to deal with me. And somewhere along in that period of time, I was walking down the hallway in my house one day. And God stopped me right on, right on a certain tile, not like these right here. Stopped me right on that tile and said, I'm going to change your life. Now, I took that to be literal because it was a clear way, and I'm going to talk to you more about how you know if God's speaking to you. I took that to be a message from God. It, it wasn't anything overwhelming, but I'm going to change your life. I was praying for God to change my life. I was praying for God to give me something to do in his kingdom to make my life meaningful as long as I live. The rest of my life, give me something to do for you, Lord, because I'd stop doing anything for it, except living and breathing. And so, and so I'm going to change your life. Well, then shortly after that, both of these things happened in, in uh, May of, of 2010. I'm walking down that same pathway. It was a direction that Carol and I took between the house. As I'm walking out there, same pathway, I got that very same tile, and God said, I am changing, he stopped me, and I am changing your life. Well, praise God, something great's about to happen. And then, that was in May, shortly after that, the pastor of Orange Park Assembly of God, or whatever it was known as at the time, whatever name it was, the pastor left, sold his house, moved back to South Carolina, just like he said he was going to do it a long time, and everybody knew it, expected, so he moved back. I don't know exactly when that was, but this was be in May. And, and in June and July, he was moving and leaving. And uh, I got a call from someone in the district section and asked me if I would come over to Orange Park and preach and fill in for two or three weeks while they found somebody because this pastor had left. And so I, I, I went over there, preached. I think I preached on a Wednesday night, but I count the first service at, at, at that church was August the 1st. Sunday was on the first day of the month, so August the 1st was a Sunday. I was there. The end of that week, Carolyn and I celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary. I remember the context of it very well. I went over and preached that Sunday morning. There was a little handful of people there. It might have been 20. Well, say it might have been 25, be generous. That's 15, 20, 25 people. So I preached over there, and I preached there, and I did one again. After I preached over there about three weeks, the uh, section president called me and asked if I'd be willing to meet with him, and in the meeting he said, would I be willing to stay? And I said, yeah, I guess I would. And I've told you all that. And 
So I said yes. So I, so I stayed, and, and then I, I, I was, and this is important for you to get this, right? One night, one Wednesday night, shortly after that, I don't know how long, I wrote almost everything down in my journal. Somehow I didn't write that date down. I guess it didn't impress me all that much to start with, but it's impressed me a lot as I thought back on it. I was standing down a little lectern and talking to the people there in the Wednesday night service, and I told them in a, a series of messages, hearing from God, I told them how God had spoken to me. He was going to change my life. I said, he's told me that two times, and I know he's going to do it. I'm expecting God to change my life because he told me he would. And I'm standing right there, put my hand in my pocket like I habitually do sometimes. I'm standing there with my hand in my pocket, and all of a sudden the Lord, I just stopped. And the Lord spoke to me and said, this is it. I said, what do you mean, Lord? I didn't fight like this, but I, I said, what do you mean, Lord? I mean, the people are sitting there waiting for me. What do you mean, Lord? This is it. I said, we're going to change your life. This is the change. And the first thing I thought was, oh, my God. Is that all? You know how you sometimes say, is that all there is? I'm thinking, you changed my life to come and talk to this put a dozen people on <laughs> Wednesday night and Plenty on Sunday. That's, the, that's what for all my praying and and seeking God. That's what I did it for it. <laughs> and besides that, that means being a pastor. One thing I prayed about all the kinds of things I might do. Uh, I had so many things listed that God, I could do this. I'd like to do this. I'm willing to do this. But I never had on that list not one thing from top to bottom. Never on any place on the list did it ever say pastor. Because if somebody had said anything to me about that, including God, I would have said, I've been there, done that. Show me something better and different. But that's what it was. And I will tell you, there was a period of time, I was really excited about it at first because I thought we were going to have an overflow. And then I got, I, I almost got to the point of discouragement. There were times I thought I'm going to call the people of the district and tell them I can't do this anymore. Really. And I've never said that, but I can tell you I went through some really dark days when I realized, adjusting myself to believing that all that praying and all that seeking God and all that fasting that I'd done meant that all God had for me was to go sit down at that little old church that they were trying to sell over there on Kingsley Avenue with holes in the ceiling so that you could see the sky with water pouring in when it rains so you had to put big buckets and tubs around to catch the water, that that's what God had for me. After all of that, so I prayed and I prayed and I kept seeking God. And then I thought, well, maybe, maybe, maybe God hasn't spoke to me after all. Have you ever been there? <laughs> maybe. God, maybe it wasn't you after all. I heard these things, Lord. How do I know it's you? And God put it in my heart to put out a fleece out of I've never done this more than three times in my life. This is the most dramatic time it ever happened. God put it in my heart to put out a place because I was questioning. I wasn't questioning God. I was questioning whether I was hearing from God. Was this voice that I'm hearing, is this God's voice? Or who is this? And you want to know, friend, when somebody's speaking to your heart, your mind, your spirit, you want to know who it is. I wanted to know it was God. So I had a white truck, a beautiful Dodge pickup truck, 2,500 diesel. And 
and uh, my grandson, Billy's son Joshua, was driving it. He's going to school with it. Diesel prices at that time were over $4 a gallon. It was burning him up trying to put fuel in it. But it was a great truck. There was nothing wrong with the truck. About a $2,500, as I said, and it had aftermarket. It had power windows and FM radio and CD player and all these special lights on it and all this. It was, a, it was a very nice truck, but it was beyond his ability to sustain, and, and so it was a better thing to sell that truck than a small car. So I thought one day I'm praying about it, and I'm trying to be cautious about putting a fleece out before the Lord, but finally I said, Lord, this is my fleece. I want to sell this truck, but more importantly than that, I want to know if I have heard from you. So this is my fleece. If I have heard from you, this truck will sell. And I gave him the date. Now, it was in February of 2011, and I didn't check the calendar. I didn't think about February being a short month. I said, if this is from you, it will sell by the last day of this month. And then I looked at the calendar, and I thought, oh, my, I, there's only 28 days in this month. It was already the 16th of the month. Now, why am I, I don't know how I could have been so naive to think that God needed three more days. He could do it or not do it. Now, I wanted you to know I had been trying to sell that truck. It's important that you understand now that this is a fleece that God answered. So I want to tell you why I know God has spoken. I'm coming to something I'm building to something that I don't want you to miss. So, so I say to the Lord, if, 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 this, if, the, if, you, if you have spoken to me, if this is your voice that I'm hearing, your word, your message to me, this truck will sell by the end of the month. Now, up to that time, I, everybody had said they would buy it back out on it. Had a man up in almost in Atlanta that called me. I don't know where he read about it, Craigslist or something. So he got, oh, it's exactly when I told him about it. It's exactly the truck I want. It's exactly what I want. I'll be down there next week to get it. He gave me the date. We agreed on the price. Next week, he called me. And he said, I won't be able to make it this time, but I'll, I'll, come, I'll come next week. Next week, he didn't come. He said, I, something came up. I'm going to try to come. Next week, I'll try to come. Well, the next week, I didn't hear from him, so I called him. And uh, I couldn't get him. It took me several calls to get him. Finally did. And he said, well, you know, I got to thinking about it. Well, I, I said, okay, he's gone. He wasn't going to buy it. But long, in the midst of that, another person from down in Melbourne called me. I guess God showed me people would call me from all over the place. Down in Melbourne called me. And he wanted that truck. And I told him what it had on it. I told him it's all aftermarket, but it works great. The power windows are the uh, AD, AM, FM, CD, all that's aftermarket, and their special windshield wipers and special license, all aftermarket. Oh, it's fine, that's fine. And, well, next week he was going to come down and get had the money for the price we'd agreed on. He had the money with no problem. He said, I've got the money. I'll bring it right with me. I said, hand over the cash, and I'll hand you over the title. So he came in, and he said, he didn't come. He called me, and he said, I'm not going to be able to make it this time. I had about three or four phone calls from him procrastinating, putting it off. So one day I called him, are you going to buy this truck? He said, well, I forgot to ask you one thing. Does it have cruise control on it? And I said, well, no, it doesn't, but we can add that on. Oh, no, no, I wouldn't want it added on. I, I, if it's got it, it's not. I, if it's not, I don't want I can't have a truck without cruise control on it. And I wouldn't want it added on. Now, mind you, everything else on it has been aftermarket. Power windows, radio, all the lights. 
lights and all kinds of things. All that was aftermarket trim. And, but we couldn't do it with aftermarket cruise control. <laughs> it's his excuse. And I deflated. I deflated. All these people called me. They told me they were going to come and buy it. And I just, <laughs> so that's when I said, after all that was when I said, Lord, this is my fleece. You sell that truck for me by the last day of this month, if you've spoken. If, you, if it doesn't sell by the last day of this month, I'll know I've been mistaken. Not your fault, Lord, my fault. I'll know I've been mistaken. I know I've missed you. And I'll just go on. But I need to know if I've heard you speak to me. So a young man in the military, in the Navy, stationed out at Mayport, called me one day. He was interested in a truck. He came over. He didn't look like he was somebody who could buy that expensive truck. He had a friend with him when he came. And they talked to me about it, and I gave him all the answers I could. And he said, well, it's all right if we drive it. I said, sure. And as soon as they drove out the driveway onto Atlantic Boulevard, I thought to myself, you have made a terrible mistake. You're never going to see that truck again. That's gone. <laughs> That's gone, truck. Yeah, these two young guys, look at, yeah, what in the world were you thinking, Bill? I guess I wasn't thinking. I should have at least gotten the back seat well enough to kidnap me with it. But I, So they're gone with the truck now. And I'll tell you, that as time passes, and it took a while, as time passes, I'm getting edgy and edgy and edgy. But finally, I keep looking down the boulevard, and I finally see a big white truck coming. And there it is, pulling back in. Man, I was relieved. They pulled up there, and the young man in the Navy, his friend wasn't in the Navy, but he was the young man in the Navy, said, I want to buy your truck. I really like it. I told him the price. We all got all that agreed to. He said, I will be back with the money. And we set a time. On a Saturday morning, he was going to come back with the money. Now, I started all this on the 16th of February when I said do it by the end of the month. And every day was passing on by. Passing on by. The guy from Atlanta took up a couple of days. The guy from Melbourne took two or three days. Time was passing on by. Nobody was out there on the horizon to buy that truck. And this young man said he was going to buy it. But how did I know he was going to buy it? I still wasn't sure. But Saturday morning he called me and said, I want to bring my wife over with me to see it if it's okay with you. And I've got the money with me. I said, well, sure, bring her on over. So she came. He had a very beautiful wife. And they were very nice and very pleasant people. Young people, I had gotten to know them a little bit now by conversations. And so he said, well, I'm ready to buy your truck. He said, here's the money for it. It's what we agreed. Okay. So I took it, and I signed a sales agreement with him to get the title process for him. We gave him a sales agreement, receipt, showing everything had been done. And that, now, the last day of the month in that February was the 28th. That was on a Tuesday. Monday would be the 27th. Sunday would be the 26th. And so I think I'm right on that. This says right here that I sold the truck on 226, so maybe I'm wrong. 226 would have been a Saturday, then I think in 2011. Because Saturday was day happened. Because I well remember when he handed me his money, I went straight to the bank, which was open on Saturday morning. Got there before the bank closed on Saturday and put that money in the bank that very day. Now, anything can still happen. Things not get processed, things not go through. We had a difficult time with the title on that truck for some, some reason. But that young man never wavered. He bought that truck. He wanted that truck. He paid for that truck. And he stayed in it until he got everything turned over legally, everything documented, given to him in every possible way. And God had sold that truck for me three days early. 
selling the truck was almost immaterial. It was just the fact that I put it out as a sign to the Lord of fleece. You know what the fleece is that Gideon used. You remember that in the Bible. So I put it out as a fleece for the Lord. If, if this is your word to me, if you have spoken to me, let this truck sell by the last day of the month, and it sold three days early after all the converse, convoluted discussions I went through with different people trying to sell it and it didn't work out. It sold three days before the end of February. So I walk away elated. I spend my time, God, oh, Lord, now I know you spoke to me. I know this is your word. It didn't get me out of Orange Park. It didn't change it from being a pastor of that church. It just let me know that it was true that God had spoken to me. I want to carry this on with you, how God's speaking and I have a reason, a very important reason to tell you toward the end of this message. How God has continued to speak and God has continued to reveal himself. So I was in February. February, March, April, May. In May, one morning, I'm praying for this, I'm praying for something to happen in that church. I was praying so I didn't care what happened. Really, I didn't care. What, I, it didn't matter. Any, anything could happen. God sends somebody else in here, whatever. It doesn't matter. Do something, Lord, whatever it is. Have you ever been to that place? God, do something no matter what it is. Do something so I know you're here. I was praying for that something to happen. One Sunday morning, May the 15th, February the truck, March, April, May the 15th. I got up in the morning. I got ready a little bit early, waiting for Carolyn to get finished, ready for us to get in the car and drive from Jacksonville over to Orange Park. So I got down on my knees in the office and began to pray. God, use the last every few minutes that I have to pray before I leave for the service. And while I was praying, all of a sudden, God spoke to me. Now, this time I know it's God. How? Because he speaks in the same way every time. So if the other times God was speaking to me, as proven by the fleece of the white truck, then this is God speaking to me now. And on my knees that morning in my office, kneeling before that executive chair in the office, the Lord said to me, you're long, <laughs> your long dark night is over. The sun, I could see, I could see sun and I could see S-O-N. The sun is shining on you now. I got on the way to church that morning. I told Carolyn what had happened. I said, I've got a sermon ready, but I've got to preach on this message I heard from the Lord. But I don't know anything to say. All I know is your long dark night's over. That's all I know. She said, well, just find something to preach, and you do it. God will give it to you. Well, I did. I got it that morning, and I preached that message. Your long dark night's over. It's, it's still on the, on the internet, on the website. You can go find it right now. Uh, all the way back to, to May 15th of 2011. And I preached that message that morning with 34 people sitting in the congregation. Not as many people as are sitting up here on this side. 34 people in the congregation. And I said, Our, your long dark church, your long dark night is over. The victory is here. We're on our way. The sun is shining on us. And I'm saying to 34 people, God's going to do great and mighty things. And then less than a month later, on Pentecost Sunday, which we announced that we were having a great service on Pentecost Sunday. We always do that. On Pentecost Sunday, we asked people to come, and we found people coming that we didn't know, just people from the past, from everywhere came. And on that Sunday, now up to now, probably 35, less than 40 people was the high that we had had in Sunday morning church any time at that time. That Sunday, that Pentecost Sunday, June the 12th, 2011, we had 119 people. We've never gone back that far again. We've always been surpassing that, going up beyond that, and keeping on reaching out. And I don't know what, there's 220, 25 people here today. 
But, but, but the point of this is, now to tell you, that God has paved the way. God's spoken about great things he's going to do. And, that's, and, and that is exactly what God is doing and what God is doing today. He is speaking to us today, just like he spoke to me in 2011 about your long, dark night is over. Just like he spoke to me about I'm changing your life. And the great thing about this that I now understand is the way that I know it is God speaking to me is because he speaks in the same way every time. So if the first time he spoke and fulfilled his word, if he speaks to me again, it's the same the Lord who's delivering the message. And if he brought a fulfillment the first time, he'll bring a fulfillment not only the next time, but every time. Because God, when he gives his word, will always keep his word. And that we can depend on. If we know we've heard from God, we know we have a promise, and we know that promise is going to be fulfilled. So he spoke to me the same way every time. I heard it the same way every time. And then I also had the backup of the fleece of the white truck. I had every confidence that God was speaking to me every time that he had spoken to me about various things. And I'm not telling you all of it. I'm just, I'm really, it may not sound like, but I'm really just hitting the highlights of it. And then, and then there came a time, this happened now, Pentecost Sunday on June the 12th. And then in July, I was still praying. I was still seeking God earnestly, like I every morning, every night, through the day as I could. I was praying, crying out to God, do something, Lord, move in this church. Let us see a mighty move of your Holy Spirit. Earnestly seeking God. And God had told me it was going to come. Your long, dark night's over. And, and uh, then we had Pentecost Sunday that showed that that long, dark night was over. We graduated now to over 100 people and more and continuing to grow. Up, up, upwards towards 200 while we were still over there. So that was showing me that God had done it. After we'd had such a small crowd for so long, now all of a sudden in one swift move from Pentecost Sunday, God started bringing people in. Many of you probably came in at that time or around about that time. So in July, I'm still praying this, and this is what I want you to get now. All these great things, these things God has already done. That what he has spoken, and I've heard the voice of the Lord. I don't say this carelessly, folks. I want you to know. I should have said this in the very beginning, perhaps. I want you to know, I don't carelessly talk about hearing from God. I'm not somebody who walks around saying, well, God told me this, and God told me that, and God told me this. I don't do that. You don't hear me doing that. When I tell you something like this, it's because I'm convinced I'm in the depth of my very being that it's what God has done. That's what God has said. And what the difference is now, I've decided I'm going to stand on it. I'm going to prove God with what he said. I know if it's true one time what he said, I know the next time what he says is going to be true. And I'm going to stand on his word. I'm going to stand on his promises. And I'm going to prove God no matter what the cost is. It would be easy for me to hold things back. And after something happens today, well, that was something the Lord revealed to me. I'm going to tell you this morning what I believe God has said. And it goes all the way back to July of 2011. So sometimes some things God does quickly. And sometimes he does it in a way that we might consider slowly. But God always comes through with the answer he has promised. Always. Always. So here's what I heard the Lord say. I was upstairs in my prayer time. And I was on my knees praying. 
And I heard the Lord say to me, in the same way all these other things have been said to me, that's why I know it's the same voice. If, if, if I call Carolyn, she knows instantly it's me. She knows my voice. Even if I try to disguise it and be funny sometimes. <laughs> what are you talking about? I know who you are. <laughs> Just like you know your husband or you know your wife's voice. I heard the voice of God, and once I confirmed that it was God, I know when God speaks to me. And this is what the Lord said to me. I'm going to read it to you. My son, I'm going to give you a victory like you have never had before. July, July 14th, 2011, 9.42 p.m. That's what the Lord said to me. Now, if God gives me a victory like... I've never had before. It's got to be a great victory, folks. I've seen some great victories. I've been a pastor of a church where the great revival has broken out and the Spirit of God has moved. People healed and delivered the gifts of the Spirit, working among people so people see the supernatural. That happened at Calvary Temple as a pastor over on the north side of Jacksonville. I was an evangelist before I ever became a pastor, traveling all over the, I started to say all over the world, but in those days it was a lot of the world. You know, I traveled all over North and South Carolina and a few other places as well preaching. And I had some great revivals, some great moves of God. Got to the place my ministry, and I'll brag on me. I'm just saying because God was working, God was moving. I was always in demand. I had a schedule that stayed full all the time. And, and, and because in, in revivals, God would move. People get saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Wonderful things happen. And so... I've seen, my point is, I have seen great victories that the Lord has given me. I've been a part of great victories the Lord has done. So if God's going to give me a greater victory than ever, and that's what I heard him say, my son, I'm going to give you a victory like you have never had before. I don't know what that is, but I know it's coming. I know it's going to happen because God said it, and the same God who said other things that have happened said this in the same way, and this will happen. I don't know what it's going to be. It's going to be some of, but you're going to see some of the greatest, mightiest things that you've ever seen in the work of God. I believe you are, and I am. And then five days later, God sometimes does this. Five days later, just like you told me twice I was changing your life, I guess he knows it's kind of hard to drill it into me. But five days later, I walk up to the same prayer place. I fall down on my knees in prayer. This time it was... It was um, trying to find exactly what it was. I might be on the... I want to read it to you because I want to read it exactly. Here it is. This time, it was at 9.30. The other time was at 9.42, almost the same time. Five days later, on July the 19th, the Lord said to me, just as soon as I... I remember this like it was yesterday. As soon as I walked up to a place of prayer, as soon as my knees hit the carpet, before I started saying a word to the Lord, God spoke to me just like he had all these other times. And he said to me, my son, I'm going to give you a victory like you have never had before. Same thing he said five days earlier. I promise it. I promise it. And that came immediately when my knees touching the carpet to pray. Now, I haven't seen that greatest victory yet. I could keep this, and, and, and if we don't see some wonderful thing happening, nobody would ever know or think anything about it. Now I'm out on the limb. I've told you, this is what God said. And if God wants to embarrass me, I guess he will. But I don't think he does. I think God wants to keep his word, and I think God will keep his word. 
And I believe with all my heart that I heard from God. I believe with all my heart that what I heard was from God. And I believe because of that, God's going to do something, and I'm going to see a victory. And, friends, if I see a victory greater than I've ever seen before, it's probably going to be a victory as great as or greater than you've ever seen before. So what God's going to do, I don't know, but I know he's going to do it. I know he's going to do it. I'm going to to skip along with some of this stuff. There's so many things here. That I want to tell you about, but I, but this is the main thing I want. To, I want to tell you about that promise of the greatest victory that I want you to know. Now, what do you do? What do you do when you know God has spoken to you something that hasn't happened yet, but you totally believe it's going to happen, and yet you've been waiting since July of 2011, and you haven't seen it happen yet? What do you do? It's a rhetorical question. You don't know any more than I do. I'm trying to figure out what to do myself. And I've decided. I've decided what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand right up and tell people about it, just like I'm telling you right now. I'm going to say, God said it. I didn't make it up. I know God said it because I've told you now just why I know when God speaks to me. The same way every time. Hearing it the very same way. The fleece from the white truck when I said, God, if you have spoken to me, let the truck sell by the last day of the month. And if you have not spoken to me, don't let it sell. Well, after all the difficulties and complexities I did, had in trying to sell it myself, all of a sudden God sold it to an unsuspect, uh, uh, a person that I would have never believed good about it. Sold it just like that. Brought his money, did it, but gone three days early. And I got worried when I found out I cut myself short on the length of the month. You know, that we do things like that. God, I didn't mean, maybe I need three more days to add on to that board because I didn't know. No, I felt like the Lord leading me. I was, the Lord was in it. I knew he was in it. So, no, if he can can sell it, he can sell it. He can sell it another day. Then thank God a week for 10 days, 12 days, do it. If God's going to do it, he can do it. Try to walk in, come in the moon, drive off right now. So God did it, almost like that. So that's why I know when I've heard from God. That's why I know this from the Lord. And so, what do you do This is my question to me. What do you do when you totally believe, you're absolutely convinced that the Lord has spoken to you and told you something that is going to happen and you're still waiting for it to happen? What do you do? Shut up and don't talk about it, which I did for a little while. Or do you say, well, I think this is what God's saying. I didn't say that this morning. I didn't say I think it. I said I know this is what God said. I put myself out. Totally out. I'm going to tell you one little thing. I'm aware of the time. If you get a little fidgety, don't worry. I'm going to quit sooner or later. Just give me just a little bit more time. I want to tell you this. What do you do when you know God spoke to you? Oral Roberts is one of my spiritual heroes. Uh, he lived a long, productive life. In Oral's life, though he made mistakes like all of us do, he made mistakes, but he lived a life dedicated to God, and there was never a scandal that touched his ministry. That's something to be said in these, in these last few ge- couple of generations. No scandal touched his ministry. He was wrong about some things, and he missed it sometimes. Okay, I've done that. I've been wrong about things. I've missed it anytime myself. So I have a lot of confidence in him. I've read, he, has a, he has an autobiography. 
that I'm fascinated with the first part of it. This you'll, you'll, You need to hear this, so stay right with me now. He prayed before he started to launch in a worldwide deliverance ministry that was obviously a great work of God that God had done. He prayed, and he's never revealed how long he fasted and prayed. Never that I know of. It's never has been published how many days he fasted and prayed. He wouldn't say. He didn't want the other people to feel like they need to do the same thing. But he, he went before God. At a, he was pastoring a little Pentecostal holiness church in Enid, Oklahoma. And he went before the Lord. He, he was going to school, going to taking university courses. He went before the Lord and said, Every minute I have, I'm going to pray. And, and then he said, I'm not going to eat. I'm going to fast, God, until you speak to me. Now that, my friends, is a somewhat dangerous thing to say. You better have a lot of faith to say that. I'm not going to eat until you speak to me. And so day after day, day after day, I don't know how long. As I said, he's never revealed it. He kept fasting and praying. He said he lost from 230 pounds down to about 180 or 85 during that time of the fast. Had to buy a new suit so he could be able to get dressed to preach. Those days you had to wear a suit. If you pray. So, so he was waiting. He trusted God. This is what happened. One day as he was praying, he, he describes about his prayer time. I can't, it doesn't matter about it. It's just that he, he made up his mind he was going to hear from God, determined he was going to hear from God. Because he said, God, the things I read in the Bible are not happening. I want to know what can you do for me. So God, after all this time, one, one day, God spoke to him. And this is, in essence, what God told him. Or we'll get up and get in your car. One thing at a time. He got up and went out and got in his car. Drive down to the corner of, drive down this street that he knew to the corner of, yeah, to this one. So he drove down to the corner. When he got to the corner, the Lord told him, turn right. And he turned right. And God said, pull over and park. He pulled over and parked. And he said, when he pulled over and parked, God spoke to him. And he said, from this day forward, you will bring my healing power to your generation. Now, he, just, he said he drove back to his house, ran in and said, Evelyn, his wife was Evelyn. He said, Evelyn, fix me a meal. I just heard from God. And she fixed him something to eat, and he, and he ate for the first time in all that many days. And then, now, listen to this. So then I'm telling you what he said now. I've read this numbers of times. I know I've got it correct. He said, then I decided I'd have a great healing meeting in Enid. And there was one auditorium. I asked all the pastors around who would cooperate with me to do it, and he got a few to do it. And he announced that we're going to have a healing meeting on this Sunday afternoon, a healing deliverance service. And he had an auditorium that would seat about 1,000 people. Biggest thing they hadn't eaten. Few churches cooperated with. They're announcing it for a great healing deliverance. As it gets closer to the time, he gets more and more nervous, and he starts thinking, "God, what if this is not? What if I've missed you? What if it's not you?" I sympathize with that. I understand that. What if it's not you, Lord? What if you're not the one that told me this? And I'll be a fool. I'll be the laughing stock. He said, "I'm going to be able to go back to my little church with 200 people in it. What am I going to do?" And then some days he said he was joyful to get up and say, Oh, God, oh, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Glory, it's coming. And then other days he said, Oh, what if it doesn't happen? <laughs> this, this is human. It's so human. He even decided by his own 
words. He decided if if he was wrong, he went out to a local men's store in Enid and asked for a job in case he needed. They said, you have a job if you need hired him to be a salesman of men's clothes. Because he said, if I have missed it, now this is impactful, friends. I, 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 I identify with what he said. He said, Lord, if I've missed you, I'm not going to preach anymore because I don't know how to hear from you. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm going to take this job at the men's store. I'll sell clothes and go to church. I may not even serve you, Lord. I'm not sure. Maybe I won't even serve you because I'm not worthy to do it. If I've missed you this far. And then other days, he was so joyful he couldn't wait for that Sunday to come. So he put out three fleeces before the Lord for that Sunday meeting. He said, first of all, let there be a thousand people in attendance. Can you imagine that in a little place like Enid, Oklahoma, back in those days, which was probably about 1945, 1946, in Enid, Oklahoma, asking that a thousand Pentecostal people or people in, who, who were in would come together in one place, unheard of in those days, in case many of you don't remember. So he said, I want a thousand people in that auditorium. That's why he didn't see the one thousand people. He said, I want us to receive an offering to cover the cost of this meeting without having to ask for it a second time. And it had cost them $100 to rent that auditorium. You know that was a long time ago. But $100 was a lot of money back then. So it cost them $100. He said, I want $100 in the offering the first time, and I want the money counted before I preach. It's got to be $100. We won't ask for it again. If we don't get $100, we'll pay the difference and walk off and forget it. The second thing. The third thing, he said, I want a demonstrable miracle. When I end the service and start to pray for people, I want a miracle that everybody will see and know is a miracle from you, Lord God. So those were his three conditions. And some days he was elated about it. He said some days he was overjoyed. It's like walking on cloud. Other days he was, what if it doesn't happen, Lord? Oh, God, what if it going to do if it doesn't happen? I'll be the disgrace of the, of the state. That's our humanity. That's why I'm so glad now I've learned that I've tested something that I know of God spoke with me. But I will tell you even right now, as I tell you about this greatest victory that's ever going to happen, tomorrow I'll walk around and I'll say, oh, God, God. what are those people going to think if that never happened? Oh, Lord, listen, help me, Lord. That's what I'll be doing tomorrow. I might even be doing it today. <laughs> but Oral said, he said, so he went to that meeting. I want to tell you this what God does. Every time I read that in his book, I jump up and down and shout. And every time I tell about it, I get broken up went to that meeting that day, that Sunday afternoon. He said, count the crowd. His ushers brought him a count. But just a couple over a thousand people were there. First. Second, when they took the offering, he said, count the offering, come and tell how much it is. I'm not preaching for love, how much money came in. Cost of the, it was only $100 to rent the auditorium, and that's what he used to So he got a, like 101 or 2 or $3 dollars. He's got the exact amount of this, but he exactly down to the penny what came in the offering. That's what came in. So now God had done two things that he asked him to do. Now the third thing. He's got to see a miracle. So he preached. He said he got on that stage, that, that stage, that platform stage that day in that auditorium and preached like he had never preached before. And the Spirit of God was moving, and he knew it and could tell it. But he hadn't seen anything happen yet. The people were just sitting there listening. At the end of the service, he got off the platform. Walked down on the floor level with the people. He said, there was a woman sitting about the second row back. She had a deformed arm. Can you imagine how scared he was? 
in the flesh. In the flesh, do you see how? <laughs> I can think. I'd have been saying, Lord, is that the one? Are you sure? Are you sure? He said, I saw the one sitting there with your phone, and she was looking right at me. He said, I walked over to her and I laid my hand on her before I could say anything. He said, her arm came right back out before she raised her arm and started waving around. And everybody saw it all over the place. He said, that was his three things, he said, for God to do if, he, if God had really spoken to him. He went back and told his church how sorry he was to be leaving them because he loved them. But he said, God sent me out to the world. And the rest of it is so he, he went to the world. But in that, at the end of that meeting, he said, he was praying for people, and they didn't have any organization. It's kind of like, you know, when we used to have people start falling out. We didn't know for somebody to stand there and catch them and cover them up with a cover. We didn't know that then. So they'd just fall out. I liked it better then, although I'd like to have them catching. Somebody catching them, so I was always going to crack their head. But anyway, so, so it, he didn't have any organization to his meeting. So they were just, people. when they saw that woman get healed, people were running up to him to pray for him. Wouldn't you, if you had something? So they were running up, grabbing him, he's trying to reach out and pray for him. And he said there was six men in his church that were the, he had an all-woman board in his church. And six husbands of those men. And they wouldn't even come to church. They were just hard, petrified against the gospel. But they all came to that meeting that day, I guess just to support him because he was the pastor of the church. They came to that meeting that day. He said, I looked around. And the first one I was pulling out my coat, and I tried to say, it's one of those men. He said, Pastor, Pastor, I've got to get saved. Help me get saved. He fell on his knees crying out to the Lord. He said, Boom. one Bible and all six of them, one right after the other, came right after grab a hold of me. Pastor, I've got to get saved. I've got to get saved. Help me get saved. <laughs> and so it was a great victory. Now, I am telling you, because you and I may someday have to, even right now, we are waiting for and expecting something great from God. A greater victory I am expecting than I have ever seen before. I don't know what that will be. But I know that God is full of surprises. He may show me beforehand what it is, or He may not. We may just come in here one day, or maybe someday during the week. We'll find something supernatural happen that we know is supernatural. Beyond anything that we've seen or known before. And all of a sudden realize God is doing what he said he would do. God is doing what he said he would do. Because God always does what he said he'll do. So now, I've told you this. What I believe God has said. I hope you'll pray with me and, and please, when you pray, pray for your pastor to stand strong and keep believing. Because this, my friends, what I'm talking about right now, this is the ultimate of prove me faith. This is the ultimate of proving God and having God do what he said he would do. How should I close this service this morning? Do you want to be a part of believing God for what He said He'll do and what He's going to do? If you do, stand up right now. Stand up right now. If you want to be a part of proof.
being what God wants to do, what God says he'll do. And you may